This culture has 30 words in their language, and they had to devote one of them to idiot. <laughs> Just feels, to insult you. Feels unnecessary. <laughs> is up everybody welcome to the audio files a place where we get together to hang out talk about music video games and all the things we love about them i'm your excited music business friend Knox, joined today by one of the smartest music performers and analyzers mr malik samore hey how's it going in today's episode we're talking about chance of senar this is a new game that came out last year with a novel language learning mechanic it uses the light and exotic score to set the tone for a world that feels foreign and approachable at the same time. Let's do a bit of context for the game. Came out, uh, I think it was back in September of last year, 2023, developed by a studio called Rundisc, published by Focus Entertainment with music by composer Thomas Brunet. This is made by a two-man team with other teams helping out with programming and the composer, of course. But this is a really small indie project from a studio in France. Uh, they came up with this concept at the beginning of COVID. Developers had this long-time interest in language. And uh, I think we should give some context to what the gameplay of this game is like. All the puzzles that you encounter, almost all of them, have to do around the central game mechanic, which is deciphering four different languages in the universe of the game. Progression through the game is gated not by defeating a certain boss, but actually by knowledge. The game kind of uses a third-person isometric adventure style to ship this idea. The camera moves around all over the place. It kind of gives you that old school flash game feeling right it where does you go from it. one room to the next and then it's just totally different setting right and this get... is like no disrespect at all to the game but like i actually enjoy it kind of felt like playing a game on the nickelodeon website in 2003 on nickelodeon.com remember oh, yeah. those old games but like in the best way it kind of prevents it from feeling antiquated is that you go to the next room and it's instant you know that's if, right if you kind of even had like one little circle of load screen right <laughs> then I would have put it down. And it's a great way to develop a game. You know, it's relatively cheap and easy to develop and really keep the focus on the unique concept of this game, which is that language. The adventure palette that it's painted on is a really just basic engine to feed you the hook of the game, which is teaching you the language of these characters, teaching you the language of different cultures in the game. So you're using uh, your cl context clues, like there's all these foreign glyphs in front of you, but there's one that's repeated at the top of every sentence, and the character's also waving, oh, that character probably means hello. It's mm -hmm. some kind of greeting, right? And, and all the puzzles, most of the puzzles, are based on the language itself. To succeed in the puzzle, you need to have picked up a certain amount of the language. So the language is not just something you need to do, but it's the main progression item of the game. And I think a really beautiful theme emerges, talks about how language uh, is such a thing that binds us together as groups, but then how these different groups interact, how the language interacts. And as an extension of this, the music of each world kind of interacts. There are shared melodies from, from each little culture that you meet. Just a little story context in the game. There are five cultures total, and you have to, you have to learn their language in, in each of the five levels. In each level, you have distinct musical styles. That was a really beautiful thing. You have to have distinct musical styles because they're trying to 
demonstrate to you that the cultures, that right. they're not connected. They're loosely connected. Right. I mean, we're mostly focusing on audio, but the color scheme changes. The people behave differently. Right. Every culture definitely treats you differently. Some, I mean, the bards uh, tend to be a little snobby the warriors will just kill you they these this culture has 30 words in their language and they had to devote one of them to idiot <laughs> just feels, to insult you feels unnecessary <laughs> whereas whereas the alchemists right there of their 30 lang- words uh, half of those are just numbers also t- can we talk about sidebar but the talk about the numbering system and figuring out that puzzle all of the glyphs are almost literal except for that bard really section i couldn't figure that out at all yeah I feel like that's why it was later in the game. (laughs) They're they're like, hey, we've given you enough clues. Back to music, back to sound. Uh, Each culture has a really distinct musical style. That's right. The music that you hear when you're hanging out with the devotees and the warriors and the bards and the alchemists in each world, uh, the music has a different feel. It has different instrumentation. It has different melodic qualities uh, and it creates a different emotional attachment with each one of those cultures, which I think is really powerful. The people have a different attitude in each culture and the music shares their attitude. Track one, Out of the Cavern and Into the Light, is the opening track of the game. This introduces the character instruments that we're going to be listening to for the rest of the title. And what I thought was really interesting is that kind of thematically, these instruments are all playing their melodies one at a time, discorded from everyone else, not aware of each other's existence. The instruments, they're taking turns to play the same melodic ideas, but they're not exactly doing it in a particularly musical way. Right. And it's all happening against the bed of this rolling dulcimer which is almost kind of functioning as a drone to me just kind of sounds like the sunlight beaming in into the window helps warm up this piece and it shapes all those crescendos the rolling dulcimer is really the only way that you're going to get that like growing shrinking exactly and it really makes it feel warm and inviting has introduces this kind of quirky whimsical feeling that the entire soundtrack has earlier you were using the word soundscape what basically what this opening number is doing is showing us the sounds that they want us to get used to. Because even though every little culture in the in the game sounds different, they all share an instrumentation. So he's getting us into... A consistent instrumentation that's related to each culture, you mean. Exactly. So yes. those dulcimers keep coming back. The, the flute soloist keeps coming back. I like the term used, character instruments. We develop a relationship with the flautist, and we re- develop a relationship with the double reed instrument. Right. And over the course of the game, we kind of hear them do different things. The clarinet, that's a big one. And they all have their little moment with the Te La Sol. But they're all doing their own thing, kind of unaware of each other, almost like they're not talking to each other. They're not communicating yet. The bonds have been broken, and it's up to us, the player, to reunite them. Track two, Catch Me. short, save for the opening chapters of the game. Right, this piece, I think it's broken up into different places, and it plays when the one little uh, child character is challenging you to a game of hide-and-seek. Where you're getting to know the mechanics, and you're getting to know the tone of the game, because this is whimsy. I think it's really accomplished by the, these little finger symbols are so cute and associated with childhood, or you can imagine a little monkey. One other thing I took note of in this track is, you introduced the idea of these character instruments in the first track. Well, that's continued here, where we have these two characters 
just having a conversation. The melody starts with the woodwinds, and then the B section of the piece is the melody is given to the strings, and they have a conversation back and forth. I think it's a great example of the music of the game setting the tone and setting up the themes that we're going to be exploring throughout the game and throughout the soundtrack. Track 3, Forgotten Bonds. legitimizes. What I mean is you could start this track at any point in the track and it would pretty much sound the same. You won't be able to tell where you are. This is a puzzle solving track, right? That's right. So I think monotony, keeping the downbeat vague, that's all a really important part of this piece, right? This piece is really designed to be background and unnoticeable and not have a strong melody. It's almost functional music. Yeah, yeah. This is the one that has the avatar melody. What is that in Solfege? That would be Do, Ti, Sol, Mi, if I'm not mistaken. Right. The same as the the love theme from Avatar. That's the one. That's the one. But what I found interesting about this, so you have that repeated phrase of the chimes in the background, and that is kind of this ever-present, unchanging thing you have going on. And then there's other instruments that come in, and there are these long legato phrases, but they're not really quite melodies. They're just kind of, again, a soundscape, right? They're ideas, but I wouldn't even go as far as to say they're melodic ideas. They're just ideas. Right. Yeah. It's all about tone. They're not trying to entertain you. They're just making sure you're not bored while you solve the puzzle while instilling what the game is supposed to feel like. It's almost like they're stimulating the left and the right brain at the same time. They're using the music to help you solve the puzzle. And when you're solving a puzzle, I think a repeated rhythmic idea can be helpful. It makes it perfect puzzle music for something that you're going to hear over and over. Infiltration. Now we're in the warrior's domain. Warrior's domain now. But for the first time in the score, you're not supposed to feel like these are the instruments of the people. This is purely score. Even then, it's almost like a horror soundscape. It's all semi-random. I know it's on a grid, but that time is somewhat unpredictable. I mean, every piece we've heard so far has a sense of whimsy and fun. There's not really whimsy in here. This is anxiety-inducing uneasiness. Stealth mission and music. The call. You have to solve the bell puzzle, the puzzle of the the bell keeper. Oh, this is the one with that long rising melody. This is the first time in the soundtrack we have a really grand orchestral score through composed music for music's sake. There's often multiple instruments playing the same melody at the same time. And if you continue our metaphor we've established of these instruments representing the different cultures, you are just starting to pull the cultures together. Maybe now two cultures are talking, but not all of them. Let's take just a moment before we go on to talk about how people can get involved in the network. First, thank you for your awesome reaction to our first episode. We're building a network of gamers, developers, composers, and musicians to come together and geek out over video game music. We are the audiophiles, and we want you to be one too. 
How do you become an audiophile? Good news, you're already doing it. That's right, listening to this makes you a lover of sound. But if you want to help this network grow, open up whatever device you're listening to this on and hit share. Because we're just starting out, we are of course trying to go our presence on socials. Go ahead, head over to Instagram, give us a follow. We also have our shorts up on TikTok at Audiophile Shorts and on YouTube. While you're there, you might want to subscribe to that channel because we've got something really exciting coming there. If you really want to go above and beyond, you can head over to our Patreon. We're just $2 gets you monthly access to our bi-weekly hangout off-topic podcast, Audiophiles AF. And at the $5 level, you can even get your name in the description of this show and on our YouTube credits. And at the $20 level, if you're that crazy, we'll get you a shout out in every episode of the show. That's right. Thanks for joining us on this crazy adventure. We're just a couple of folks with full-time jobs, and this is a project that we could not be more passionate about. Track 7. It's a long track, which makes sense because you are exploring that world for quite a while. And I think that this track really captures the exoticism of the instrument choices. You have this extended technique on the flute of the trilling or this buzzing sound, which is really unique. You've got that human voice come in, but in this really strange affected tone. And then you also have that whistling sound, almost like a throat singer. Really exotic instruments that you wouldn't normally hear. Every instrument you hear is either uh, non-orchestral or played with an alternate technique. It was in this track that I first noticed there really aren't any drums in the game that aren't hand drums. There's a little rolling cymbal here and there, but for the most part, it's hand drums. I really picture a small group playing this. The whole thing is really intimate. I mean, how many villagers are there in the whole city? Exactly. Like 50? Up until this point, it's been a lot of solo instruments and small duet moments and stuff like that. Duet moments, maybe the melody is doubled here and there. But all of a sudden, we're starting to get cooperation between the whole, the whole ensemble. ensemble, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Track 8. This track is a bit of fun. It is a bit of fun. It's not long. We're having a bit of fun at the theater. It might be the most, like, memorable moment of the game. Plays when you are watching the play at the theater in the bard's level. It's only, like, 90 seconds long, but it is sparkin' fast. And we listened to a little bit of the composer's other work. Listening to a bit of fun was probably his most out of comfort zone. Right. Song. It is an it does sound different from everything else mm -hmm. in the soundtrack. It totally sums up the attitude of the bards. Right. It's, They're so playful and energetic. But and it's also silly and undignified. Silly. Exactly silly. That's the perfect word for it. I also wonder if one of the reasons so it's so different from the rest is that this is one of the pieces that I could argue would be probably could be considered to be one of the more diegetic pieces, meaning this is something that you could imagine is actually soundtracking the play that's happening in this world, as in the characters in the game world are hearing this same song that you are. Track 9, Temple of Knowledge. This is another puzzle music piece. This is playing when you're solving puzzles, and it, again, it echoes in the same idea of the earlier puzzle piece we were talking about. It's got this mysterious droning string, no real downbeat. You could start anywhere in the track and never really know quite where you are in time, but it's still setting the emotional context. It's a different emotional context at this time. It's good puzzle music. Okay. 
10, Cogs of Science. Uh, oh. The Alchemists. The Alchemists. Yeah. Uh, now we are in the rising action part of the game because right. we've completed three levels. This is the last big story beat before the climax. Mm-hmm. And it's the last world that you're in that's like the other ones. There's there's four main worlds and then right. a fifth one that's different. The music in this section keeps up that tone that we've established so far in the soundtrack of lighthearted whimsy and mystery. All of the fast-paced, upbeat strings in here are really meant to emulate pensive contemplation. I feel like, think, think, which is, of course, what's a value that's very important to the alchemists. I took away one melody from this game that I remembered most, and it was a yada-da-da-da. Because it came up so much and also because I was so darn stuck on the alchemist level that I heard it like a thousand times. The melody that you're mentioning, I think, is played by woodwinds. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think the woodwinds is one of the most heavily featured instruments on this piece. And when we were talking about earlier the idea of the character instruments, I think this piece does a long way to associate the woodwinds with the alchemists. This piece is so sad and mournful. It's really setting the emotional context for what's going on here. It's making you feel bad. This is the piece that plays when you are exploring the final level. I liked this one. I really liked the chords that he was building with the treble choir in the second half. I like how it's surprising to me how sad the tone of this is because if you think about the context of the larger game it's all about climbing climbing the tower you're about to complete your big objective and you're getting to the, the last civilization here at the top of the tower it's your moment of triumph but these people are not happy whimsy is a big part of the score but all of a sudden there's just whimsy is gone it's all gone and why i like so much of the treble choir is because of this rich and solemn structure happening it's a revelatory moment as the player. It's something you think is like, oh, I'm going to finally get to the bottom of this mystery and figure out what's going on. But these people are sad. Track 12, In the Machine. This is travel music. You're traveling from one place to another, and it's very clearly not puzzle music because right. it's not very pleasant to listen to and you don't want to be there very long it really pushes you the player to not linger here there's there's no collectibles here there's no npcs you want to get from point a to point b and the music is pushing you there. there's just these two melodies and i noted that it's almost like tomb like it's almost like exploring the pharaoh's tomb mm -hmm. which is so empty what you're doing you're exploring the tomb of this ancient civilization I also want to call out here that this is one of the first moments in the soundtrack I noticed digital sounds. You have these little digital glitches happening in the background. It's interesting that the first time you hear an electronic instrument of any kind, it's in fact glitches, and it adds to that mystery and what's going on here. The chase. Even in the most intense parts of this soundtrack and the most intense parts of this piece the percussion is hand percussion still 
there's digital sounds again in this track that sound almost exactly like a dangerous alarm. The strings in this section are so fast and hurried that the bowing is so fast because there's only one cellist and one violinist. You can really hear that grinding bow. It's almost that they're so focused on the attack that intonation is kind of all over the place. It instills a sense of anxiety in me, the player. Track 15, Bonds Reforged. Here you have a piece that is again different from the rest of the soundtrack because it is a big orchestral swelling piece that has different instruments than the rest of the soundtrack that we've heard so far. Talking about the structure of this piece overall, the introduction has kind of the same sonic world that we've been in. It has those strings and woodwinds and the hand percussion all playing together. Then it's building into this big moment of final triumph. And when you hit triumph, you hear a human voice. An actual song, too, like a Celine Dion hit in Senar language. <laughs> Senar Celine Dion. The human voice representing the idea of being able to talk to each other again. I don't know. Is that too much of a stretch? Even when there are voices in the rest of it, it's either pure neutral vowel or affected throat singing. So mm. suddenly now there's lyrics, there's text. It's not text that's familiar to us, right. but it's text. I, I wouldn't think it's a stretch at all to say that. I think it's really interesting that the story of this piece echoes the story of the entire game. So we've heard the human voice before a few points, but we haven't heard a piano, or if we have, it's been very sparse through the entire soundtrack so far. By introducing instruments that weren't in the rest of the soundtrack, it brings us back to the real world and kind of reminds us that we are playing a game and that this is big, the conclusion of it, because it now we have a different feeling than we've had the entire game. I like that you brought that up. The, the composer really does take us out of the game by saying the game is over let me sing you a song and then there's the third section of the piece it starts to wind down instruments fall out and it gets more simple and you have a kind of denouement of the music and denouement of the entire story as it leads you into a resolution so Chance of Senar uses score to create this really charming tone that feels inviting, welcoming, but also foreign and exotic. What Chance of Senar does really, really well is making you feel not only like that you're there, but that you want to be there, that you want to stay there for a few hours and patiently figure out the puzzles. It keeps you excited to get to the next level, which is essential for a puzzle game. If you vote with your dollar and, and prove to the world that this is a great game, then maybe in 10 years, I'll get my really, really big, really, really expensive grind heavy game that teaches me Mandarin Chinese. This has been the Audiophiles Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're just checking this out for the first time, it's a great time to pop open the podcatcher and hit subscribe and help grow the network. Till next time, I'm Malik. I'm Knox. And we are the Audiophiles. Play with sound. Play with sound.